You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. About 10 years ago at the big 4th of July celebration in San Diego, there were 7,000 fireworks ready to be shot off of four different barges out in the bay. A 20-minute celebration that's supposed to be underscored by the music of John Philip Sousa. Unfortunately, all 7,000 fireworks discharged prematurely all at once, just as the patriotic music was beginning, and that was that. That was the show. 7,000 fireworks fired off simultaneously with a deafening boom. Then everybody just went home. Last night in Washington, D.C., a reenactment of that debacle. Eight to three after 25 minutes of baseball, and then nothing. Mets lose eight to three. McGill rocked. We debrief. Next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Let's get a lead out. A booming start to the ball game, especially from the Mets. They, they led 3-0 after half an inning, but then they trailed 8-3 before they knew what hit them. And then, absolutely nothing. Weird freaking game that dropped the Mets to 21-11. and Josh Lewin with you. We'll recap what happened and look ahead to today's day game. Got a quick turnaround with a 105 first pitch. Taiwan Walker on the mound for the Mets. Then you got your seven-game homestand with the Mariners and Cardinals. Fireworks a possibility for that Cardinals series since the bench is clearing incident at their place just a couple weeks back. But first, we're going to play a little game that I like to call Don't Be That Guy or Girl. This is not gender-specific, but basically I'm going to admonish those of you who are ready to do some things I hope you will not actually do, but assuredly may be tempted to do, if that makes any sense. You ready? Let's play Don't Be That Guy. Left over from Tuesday's game, don't be that guy that decides that the rat that ran on the field during the three-run inning for the Mets in that game should be called the rally rat and emblematic of a big turning point in the season. Because the Mets were already 20-10 and 10 when the rat showed up on the field. They already had the bases loaded that inning with nobody out. They'd already scored a couple runs. So all that happened after the rat appeared was a sack fly by James McCann. So let's not get swept up in that. Uh, by the way, why are there so many rats running around Washington, D.C.? Apparently, this is the theory that's been floated out there, because the rat experts have ascertained there are literally about 400% more rats running around now than a couple years ago. I guess during the pandemic, uh, all those restaurants in downtown D.C., a lot of them closed because of the pandemic. Uh, The dumpsters had no food in them. The rats started looking around. Where else can we go to to find our sustenance? Because there are no dumpster dives to do. That apparently is why there's a rat problem in Washington. Did you really need to hear that? Probably not. But anyway, all right. Let's keep playing the game that I like to call Don't Be That Guy. Don't be that guy who gets drawn into some weird fifth-grade drama by Noah Syndergaard, uh, calling to mind famous arguments by 10-year-olds like, my dad can beat up your dad, and Spider-Man is better than Batman, which, by the way, he is, but that's not the point. 
Noah Syndergaard sent out a tweet after the Angels' 22-year-old lefty Reed Detmers threw a no-hitter Tuesday night, and it read, this is what a real no-hitter looks like. That's just Noah being Noah. He's just being funny. SNY and some other outlets took this very personally, uh, saying, you know, how, how dare there's a shot fired across the bow. Uh, Noah had to fire back, tweeting out that, that look, it, it, it's not personal. I'm just saying that a one-person no-hitter is indeed better than a five-person no-hitter, uh, which is true. Uh, let's not give Noah Syndergaard the satisfaction of uh, getting everybody all worked up over something silly. Noah is a great dude. Uh, I know he's not a Met anymore, but he is that guy who tries to agitate and then just kind of uh, watch everybody fall all over themselves. He did not mean to stick it up the butts of Met fans. I guarantee you that. So let's just ease up, not worry about it. We have bigger issues like, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking inflation is a bigger idea, for example, than what Noah tweeted. So let's not be that guy. Also, don't be that guy who sends me hate mail about a random list from yesterday's podcast. I will admit I did make a little mistake. In fact, I made a large mistake. I I overlooked a key contributor when putting together my top five Mets of the season so far. I will admit I screwed up. I would like to revisit my top five. Put Jeff McNeil on this list. Now, uh, Jeff McNeil's coming off a season that saw him bat 251. Right now he's hitting 330. Obviously, that is better. When he's going correctly, Jeff McNeil uses all fields. He's done exactly that this season. Sometimes that approach means taking an inside pitch and pulling it. That's what he did for the big two-run double Tuesday night. Other times it means directing the ball to the opposite field or back up the middle. Uh, I know Buck likes McNeil batting eighth. He's hitting that bottom spot in the order, bottom-ish spot in the order, in basically uh, half the games he's played so far, pretty close to that. But it's becoming increasingly wise for the skipper to slot him higher just to ensure he gets more at-bats and opportunities to boost up the offense. The fielding-inclusive war numbers say McNeil is worth 1.3 wins already this year. That's best on the team. Next is Nimmo at 1.1. Lindor at 0.9, Scherzer at 0.8, Alonzo at 0.7. McGill was at 1.0, but not after what happened last night. More on that in a moment. Next, don't be that guy who says Eduardo Escobar needs to be benched because he was 0 for his last 20 until a ninth inning single last night. This is a veteran hitter who will work this out. And a reminder, there's a list of pretty good players with over 30s on their resumes at least. Willie Randolph, Derek Jeter, Mike Schmidt, Jimmy Wynn, Cal Ripken, Reggie Jackson. If Joe Morgan can stomach an 0 for 35, Eduardo Escobar can survive an 0 for 20. In 1941, right around this time of year, Joe DiMaggio was mired in a three-week slump. He was hitting 184 on May 15th when he singled off White Sox lefty Eddie Smith and started the record 56-game hitting streak. Escobar has endeared himself to his new club. He is great in the clubhouse, and and he's walking more than he's ever walked before. Uh, He gets a lot of props for doing a lot of things well. So don't be that guy. Oh, which reminds me. Don't be that guy. Who insists the shine is off the star for Tyler McGill because he got tattooed for eight runs, getting four outs last night. Friendly reminder, we have all 
had a bad day. Daniel Powder wrote a song called exactly that like 15 years ago, and we all listened to it ad nauseum. Jacob deGrom in 2017 had a two-start stretch against Milwaukee and Texas where he allowed 15 runs in eight innings. He allowed a 445-foot home run to Nomar Mazzara and threw his glove in the dugout when that inning was over. Jacob deGrom that year ended up winning the most games he's ever won in a season, 15 of them, and he finished eighth in the Cy Young voting too. The issue for McGill last night, to me, it's that he refused to throw a slider for some reason. Just five of his 54 pitches, and his fastball was getting pounded, even though he was throwing at 97 miles an hour. 54 pitches, only four swings and misses, only four outs achieved. But big picture for the big righty. Look, uh, this is a guy that had to start for the Mets on opening day by default. We thought that would just be a cute little trivia question. No, because he, uh, he had a 2.4 ERA for the year. Coming into the game last night, a 4.5 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. He had thrown at least five shutout innings in three of his six appearances. He was part of a no hitter, the kind that Noah Syndergaard does not like. McGill really hasn't made any sweeping changes to his pitch selection, but he's gained velocity. His fastball averaging close to 96 miles an hour this year it was 94 a year ago. And he's got extension, he releases the ball closer to the plate than most anybody else. The distance from the pitching rubber to his release point is more than seven feet, eating up that additional space, allowing his pitches to, to play faster than they even appear on the radar gun. So uh, mention the slider. That's undergone a metamorphosis as well. I never metamorphosis I didn't like. Thank you. Uh, he has gained both drop and sweep with that pitch. And according to True Media's data, his release tilt has changed from, if you look at an analog clock, if you picture the, the hands on a clock, it was at 11.20 on the clock before. Now it's at 8.45, if you can picture that. So uh, what it does, that release point gives him more side spin, less back spin, and that's been really effective. Hitters 1 for 24 against the slider this year. Again, he hardly threw it in the game last night. But just wasn't a big drips evening. That's it. Uh, the good news was the Mets had staked him to a 3-0 first inning lead. Nimmo, an opposite field ground ball double, of all things, a hustle double. I mean, the guy sprints to first on a walk, so you know he's going to sprint to first on a little bleeder in a left field. Starling Marte, a bunt single and a throwing error trying to get him, so it was one nothing Mets, four pitches into the night, playing small ball. Then it was Pete Alonso's turn one out later, and it wasn't small ball. It was enormous ball. The 1-0 pitch. And Pete drives it to left field. It's deep. Hernandez back, way back, and there it goes. Home run, Pete Alonso. His eighth home run of the year. He hits it into the lower left field stands, picking out a fastball. RBIs number 27 and 28, and the Mets have a three-run top of the first inning and have a three-to-nothing lead. That's exactly what we're talking about with Pete. If he gets a pitch, he can take the other way, so be it. But if it's in his happy zone, he can do some wondrous things with a baseball. Eight home runs, 28 runs batted in for the Polar Bear now. But bottom of the first, the Nats came right back. Two on a homer by Juan Soto. It was the first alarm bell that something was afoot. Soto uh, seeing nothing but fastballs on a five-pitch at bat. And that was his first non-solo home run of the year. Things just got worse from there. It was uh, two hits and two innings for Cesar Hernandez. Same for Kiebert Ruiz. The homer by Soto, a homer by Nelson Cruz. It went 432 feet, showing he's not dead yet. McGill got whomped on for eight runs in an inning and a third, which basically doubled his season's ERA. 
And then after that, as we mentioned off the top, Ennui set in. Uh, 11 runs have been scored over the first 10 outs of this game. Then the rest of the way, nothing. Bupkis, Zippo, Zilch, Nada, Diddly, Squat, Goose Eggs, a null set. More zeros than a Star Trek convention. After it was 8-3 to three after one and a half, it was also 8-3 to three after eight and a half. So after the game, Buck Showalter had this to tell the media. You know, I know there were some people in our bullpen who were pretty happy about it and uh, presents us in a better light for tomorrow's game and, and down the road. Those are the type of things that, you know, good teams and teams with uh, good depth are able to do. That's not easy, you know, to kept thinking we might get back in it, but we just didn't string enough together. What did you see with Tyler tonight? Just uh, command. You know, I didn't feel like he got into a good rhythm. Um, they, uh, you know, looked like they had a really good approach. You know, it seemed like they were uh, on the repertoire in the sequence, and and uh, he just never really got found his step. Um, kept waiting for him to kind of fall in line like he's had so many times this year. Just uh, you know, there's always moments in games, even his good outings where, you know, he's made some pitches. He just didn't do that tonight. But he's pitched so well for us that, you know, we'll give him a, uh, a pass tonight. I know he'll learn from it and work on some things. When you say they were on it, do you think he could have been tipping at all? Oh, that's always the conspiracy theory that sometimes, most most time you go back through that and they're not very good pitches. Mm-hmm. Those are things that the pitching coaches and, and teammates and everybody's talks about it constantly and uh, there's no secrets but you know it's something we looked at since last year in the spring training and uh, we look at it with all our pitchers even veteran guys so um you know some guys go through periods where they're doing some things that you know you correct but you know it's i'm not certainly um you know, talking about everything that might uh, be a possibility, but certainly we always look at those things. Like when you get in that, but those are popular things to go with. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the other team's just good, and sometimes you make bad pitches. Just when you get in that hole early, do you draw on the experiences of the other comebacks? A little sure, bit and... sure. You know, I'm, I'm sure. You know, the dugout was, uh, you know, first two hits there in the ninth inning. But we had some shots there. I think if we could have put up a couple of zeros, you know, we really put Sanchez at ease when they put some runs up there and we started attacking a little bit out of the zone on him. He's got he's a guy with a lot of late movement and if you don't kind of play the fade, well, you know the ball's where it's gonna start, it's not where it's gonna end up. But he uh I think that helped him settle in a little bit. But uh, you know, Pete continues swinging about well. We just you know, sometimes that well uh, it's uh it's hard to go to every time. It's it's difficult to do. That's the skipper. How about the starter? Tyler McGill did not duck the questions. Here you go. Fell behind a lot of hitters early and, you know, just left a lot of stuff over the middle of the plate, obviously, and hitters counts and did what they did with it. At what point did you realize you didn't really have that fastball command? Was it something that you could feel in the in the bullpens, or was it when you just got out there? Uh, obviously, I mean, I'm trying to throw strikes, so, I mean, getting behind... I mean, just didn't have it today. Flush it, move on to the next one, really. Is that easier, the process of flushing, is that easier to do just given the success you've had early this season, or is it always kind of something you have to set yourself and, you know? I mean, an outing like this where something obviously as bad as it went, you just can't really dwell over, over it, you know, just 
like I said, flush it. Obviously, it was a bad outing, but you know, I'm capable of way more. I'm not going to let this one, you know, define me and just get ready for the next one. Do you think that you do try to take from it, or is it, or do you just not even really look back on it? At all? I mean, yeah, there are things you could take from it. Obviously, just getting ahead of hitters, and you know, I didn't do a good job of that. And then, obviously, some, I guess, too many fastballs and whatnot. But you know, that's on me and. End of the day, it's just I gotta be better. What's the process in the moment of trying to write things? You know, we saw you throw some curveballs there, which is a pitch that obviously you don't throw as much. Is that just a, a kind of a scenario where you're trying to see if you have that pitch and, and can kind of use that to get some outs? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, on the fastball a lot, so being able to slow them down a little bit when they're coming out swinging and. Obviously behind, I can land one in there. You know, gives it a little bit of a mix-up and, and speed difference for hitters. So just trying to obviously implement a new pitch in there and you know and work on stuff. But at the same time, you know, I got to get ahead of batters. Given the way they were attacking you so early, do you think you were tipping your pitches? Maybe. Um, don't know. I mean, obviously I'll go back and look tomorrow, and we'll talk about it with everyone and see what happens. But. From there on out, just get ready for the next one. Can't really dwell on this one, you know. Just get it going for the next. Now, Mets lose, fall to 21 and 11 for the year. This was maybe the, the classic reverse lock. That is a matchup so good, it can only be bad. The reverse lock, that is called. McGill, a 2.4 ERA, was up against Aaron Sanchez with an 8.6. And the 8.6 guy retired 16 of 18 at one point. Went the first five innings without a single strikeout, but was getting lots of weak contact, at least until a 113-mile-an-hour comebacker by Alonzo hit him in the glove hand, and he couldn't continue. Uh, bullpen was good for them after that. The Mets' bullpen deserves an attaboy. Trevor Williams, three and two-thirds innings of two-hit, no-run ball. Steven Nagosik making his season debut with a nifty mustache and three innings of no-hit ball. He did walk Juan Soto on four pitches, but that's probably a good idea. Otherwise, three strikeouts, and he looked really good, including the mustache. The rubber game of the series today, and a word about that after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the finale of the three-game series at Nationals Park today at 105 Eastern. Taiwan Walker, 4.91 ERA against young Joan Adon, 1-5, 6.99. And what's at stake? The streak, the streak of not yet losing a series this year. Could the Nationals, 10 games under 500, be that team that, that finally gets that done? Let's hope not. 
Mets in the Morning, a house band at your service. We thank them as always. Let's meet them. And remind you, by the way, that if you want to reach out and uh, get in touch, I'm on Twitter at Josh Lewin Stuff. Happy to engage with you about Mets things and uh, certainly this podcast. But the, the Mets in the Morning, a house band on keyboards, Kevin Kazmarski. Slapping to bass, Luis Avalon. The horn section, Sean Estes. And on drums, Gary Rasich. This has been Josh Lewin, reminding you to not be that guy or girl. And uh, very much appreciate you tuning in. Take her easy. Let's go Mets. Bye-bye.